down. It's our custom the last few weeks that we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, and I've asked Denfield to come and say it in Tagalog after we've said it in English, and so we will say it together, and then we will listen as it's spoken in uh, the heart language of, of our brother here at Denfield and, and several of you in the congregation that know this language. And so would you join me as we say the Lord's Prayer together? Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Ama namin sa malangit ka, sambahin ang ngalan mo, mapapasaamin ang kaharian mo, sundin ang loob mo, dito sa lupa para nang sa langit. Bigyan mo kami ngayon ng aming kakanin sa araw-araw at patawarin mo kami sa aming mga sala para sa pagtatawad namin sa mga nakakasala sa amin. At huwag mo kami ipahintulot sa tukso at iadya mo kami sa lahat ng masama sapagkat iyo ang kaharian at kapangyarihan at ang kadakilangan na kakailanman. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Denfield. Thank you, team. Just on the screen before we jump into the sermon, there is my wife and my daughter, and uh, there's one more picture, I think. Yeah, and there they are. So, uh, holding a little little baby. That was her dream. I just want to hold some babies and <laughs> enjoy time. So anyway, they're they're kind of they've traveled to a different spot now. They're they're kind of in the, the final leg of of the journey, and at home the fridge is getting empty and. <laughs> We're, but we're surviving, and we're so glad for that. Anyway, they had this opportunity to be over there. They're in Uganda right now, and uh, just um, they planned a VBS for 500 kids, and 800 showed up. And so they had this room, not much bigger than this room, full of 800 kids, and they fed them all. They had to have activities for them, and it was just um, chaos. But, um, you know, God takes five loaves and two fish, and he <laughs> takes care of the multitudes, and they... He fed them anyway, so they're, they're just thankful. Thank you, those of you that have been praying for them and thinking about them and watching them on Facebook. We're just excited to hear the stories when they get back. So next Wednesday, I go down to Calgary. I'll pick them up on Thursday and bring them home. And so um, Elisa is excited to cook again, so I'm pretty excited about that too, right? I'm like, great, amen. <laughs> it's a, go at her. <laughs> so although we won't be eating much rice, she said, for the while. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's where we're at. So anyway, thanks, Hannah, for putting that up there. We'll, we'll jump into the text now. Moving up, the Lord's Prayer. As we enter 2020, here at New Life, we're all about moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And part of that journey of moving up is discovering this opportunity we have to pray. And the disciples asked Jesus, you know, how, how should we pray? And Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. It's not a prayer Jesus needs to pray. It's a prayer that we need to pray. It's the model prayer, the disciples' prayer. But uh, and we've kind of been working through it, and this, this week we get to the topic of, of forgiveness. And then as we get there, I just I read the story that Elmer Towns tells in his book about the Lord's Prayer, about this little guy named Johnny who'd been given this slingshot for his birthday. And so he was at Grandma's house, and he was practicing the slingshot. He set up some cans on the fence post, and he was trying to shoot the cans, and didn't, didn't hit any cans. And so he, uh, he tried to hit the magpie nest, and then it was 
kind of missing that too. And, you know, started some bigger targets, you know, the grain bin. It was, was not successful, you know, the, the broad part of the barn he finally did hit, you know. And it was not going well. He was kind of working his way back to Grandma's house for lunch. And, and he was just, you know, shooting at random things, not hitting anything. And then he sees Grandma's pet duck. And he loads it up, and he's like, oh, I haven't hit anything yet. Boom. Knock right in the head. Boom. You know, Grandma's duck goes feet up, and, like, there's nothing. Like, no pulse, no air. The duck is dead. So Johnny, like, you know, hides the <laughs> slingshot, grabs the duck, runs behind the barn, you know, quickly, you know, covers it up, and you know, goes in for lunch, you know, and he's like, <sighs> you know, pulse is racing, you know, and nothing is sad. No one is, you know, and so he's, he's fine, and the meal's over, and... Uh, Grandma says to Sally, his sister, Sally, I'd like you to do the dishes. And Sally says, no, actually, I think Johnny wants to do the dishes. And he's like, what? And then she leans over and says, remember the duck. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny does the dishes. Next day, you know, Grandma's like, okay, Sally, I'd like you to sweep off the deck. And she's like, no, actually, I think Johnny wants to sweep off the deck. Remember the duck. (laughs) Johnny's sweeping for three days. He's doing all of his work and all of Sally's work because he wants to do it. Remember the duck. Remember. Finally, you know, he just cracks and he goes to Grandma and he's like, Grandma, I, I have to confess I shot your duck three days ago. And Grandma's like, yeah, you know, I was washing dishes. I saw you shoot the duck. <laughs> I forgave you when it happened, Johnny. But uh, Johnny carried that guilt three days. And the thing about the Lord's Prayer is that God knows the guilt that we live in as sinful creatures. And in this prayer, which we are to pray daily, I think, and and not that the words itself hold power, but the the structure and the outline and the general flow of it gives us the the heart of prayer. And and we start with focusing on God's name, and and he's in the Father in heaven whose, whose name is to be made holy, his kingdom is to come. We pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we finally get to our needs. We ask for daily bread. And, and ask, after asking for daily bread for our daily needs, for God to look after us every day, we say, and forgive us our debts. So forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins, perhaps, as your translation might say. Forgive us our sins. Again, the first part of the prayer focuses on God, not on us. And only to the second part do we actually get to our needs, the the daily bread, the daily provision. God, give me what I need, not what I want. Give me what I need for this day. And then then after that, it's like, and and what I really need for this day, more than bread, more than clothes, more than, is just to know that we're okay. Forgive me my sins. There's two aspects to this topic of forgiveness. There's the vertical and, and horizontal. Just kind of hang the sermon on those two kind of beams. There's the vertical aspect where we come to God needing his forgiveness. And there's, there's a double aspect to this. The, the first aspect is, is as sinful creatures, we stand in, in, in a place where we, we can't really relate to a holy God. And so, so we need his forgiveness in order to actually have a relationship with him. And so there is this moment where you and I as sinners come to God and confess our sins and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I, he died for my sins. He paid the price for my sins. He took the penalty for my sins and I receive your judicial forgiveness. In that way, God, in that moment, takes whatever sins are listed, you know, on, on your rap sheet. And he says, okay, paid in full by Jesus Christ. 
It's a once-for-all transaction. It's a judicial transaction. It's, an, it's a transaction of standing. So before that, you're, you're a sinner. You're estranged from God. You're rebellious. You don't have a relationship with him. Having asked for God's forgiveness, repentance is the biblical word. You come to him. I've, I've made a mistake. I've, I've been wrong. I've, I've lived horribly. I need your forgiveness. We find the forgiveness. And then you move forward in a new position, a new standing with Christ. Your sins are forgiven. And now God looks at you. And he doesn't see the rapture anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. You are now declared righteous. Your friends who used to hang out with and party with and do who knows what with will remind you of these things, but God says, no, no, I, I took care of that. When you came to me in faith and accepted my son, Jesus, as your Savior, I forgave your sins. It's judicial. It's eternal. It's secure. It's solid. It changes our identity, and it changes our relationship with God forever when we come and have that, that startup moment with Jesus Christ. Now, understand, you don't need to pray that prayer every day. When you've prayed that prayer, it's done. The sin is forgiven. The, 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 the sheet is taken care of. God's like, hey, it's over. Jesus paid for it. Good. Now we're, now we're in a relationship. Let's move forward, me and you. I'm the you know, God, Father in heaven, you as his child. But the reality is, is that despite the fact that judicially we are forgiven and, and we're given a new nature, we receive the Holy Spirit at that moment, so we have the, the life of God living in and through us, we are now in this process of God saying, now that you're my child, I want you to become like the ideal child, my son Jesus Christ. And so I'm doing things, my goal for you is that you would achieve your fullest potential, and that potential comes in and living in the life of Jesus Christ and allowing his life to, to come through your life. So here's the problem is you have a lot of bad habits that you accumulated on in your life. And you come to relationship with God and Jesus Christ, and now you move forward, and, and God begins to work on some of those habits. You're not made perfect at that moment, but you are heading in that direction. And he wants to bring you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, but what, there are some bad habits that you have carried on for years, maybe. And despite the fact that you're forgiven and you have a new standing, you are righteous, you still swear. You still misrepresent the truth sometimes. You maybe even steal. You kind of cut short your hours at work. I mean, you, you do things that you've been doing for years, and then the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind and says, you've got to stop doing that. When you're done work, you're done work. You, you can't claim hours you don't work. You've know, you, you got to quit lying to cover and to make yourself look good. You need to tell the truth. And, and the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to us. And then those moments where like, okay, what I've done is now affecting my relationship with my Father. It's a matter of fellowship, not about relationship. Now understand, I've said before, to, to pray this prayer, you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior for it to have significant meaning. And so when we're praying for forgiveness, you're already in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. There is that matter of your, your sins have been dealt with once and for all through the death of Christ on the cross. There's no penalty. God's not holding any sheet against you any longer. But when we sin, we put a barrier between us and the Father. And so that's why every day we come to the Lord's Prayer and we say, you know, Lord, Father, yesterday I, I failed to do the right thing in that circumstance. The sins of omission. And I also did that thing, the sins of commission, the act where we, we fell short of, of God's glory. And the amazing thing is that the Father is willing to forgive you and me in these instances. That we can come to God and find his forgiveness. You see, when, when you sin, there's a debt that's incurred at that moment. 
friend that some guy is telling me a story in Calgary. He was attending a large church there, and the, the pastor that morning preached on forgiveness. And he's like, yeah, it was a great sermon, very convicting, blah, blah, blah. Go out into the parking lot, and I'm getting to my car, and lo and behold, this lady's backing out right into his car. And in that moment, he was like, oh, but, but the, the words of the sermon were just rolling in his head. And he was like, I, you know, I, I did not want to forgive this woman. <laughs> but I just, I felt convicted at that moment that I need to, to forgive her. So, and he's just like, look, it's okay. It's fine. Now, you and I know it's not okay. Because that lady drives away, and who's paying for the taillight? And the bumper? And the scuffed trunk? I mean, who, who's paying for that? The guy who forgave. He's paying for it. And understand that when we sin against God, who pays for it? He's paying for it. Christ's sacrifice provides for this ongoing forgiveness. But the reality is that there is a debt incurred when we fail to measure up to God's glorious standard. You see, he has the ideal picture of you and me in his mind when he's moving us towards that. But in that journey, we discover that we are sinful creatures still. But we have the life of God, and and the more we allow God's life to flow in and through our lives, the less we behave like we used to behave, the more we behave like God wants us to behave and and, and the place of blessing for us. But that journey requires ongoing forgiveness. I mean, if you you think you're okay and you don't have anything to to you, you don't need forgiveness for anything, then you probably don't even need to come to church because you're perfect. You're okay. You know? But the reality is that this place is, is full of people, including the guy right here, that needs this daily forgiveness from the Father. Because while maybe I can control some of the external aspects of my behavior, internally I've got, you know, I, I find myself lapsing into, into sinful things, and I, and I need constantly to just come back to God and, and find His grace to move forward, right? I mean, Jesus is like, yeah, you maybe don't murder someone, but when you hate someone, You've already killed them in your heart, right? You, you may not be committing adultery, but if you're lusty, you're, you're, you, know, and you may not be stealing stuff, but you're coveting their stuff. I mean, you're, you're desiring it. You're, you're sinning. I mean, he's like, it's not just the surface. It's what goes on under the surface, Jesus says. And, and that's where he begins to work in our lives, having received the Holy Spirit, having been forgiven of our sins, having walking forward in new life. God begins to just chip away at our character. Painful. But incredibly bad. You and I both need daily forgiveness. But here's the reality. New Life is a church for anyone. Whatever your issue is, your addiction, your past, I mean, you're welcome here. But that doesn't mean we're going to celebrate your past or your sin. Or that you're okay, we're okay with you just keep just, you know, self-destructive patterns of behavior. No, no. What we are here is, is like, let's all find Jesus and let's move forward in new life in Jesus. And, and so, yeah, your, your messed up past is your messed up past. But, no, but I'm, we're, we're here saying this is the present and God is holding a beautiful future for you. And part of that future is discovering this gift of forgiveness. Once and for all at the cross when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and start up. But then daily as you move forward in your journey was Jonathan Owens, the Puritan, that, that was, he was kind of like an engineer. He was very detailed and, you know, dot the I, cross the T kind of guy. I mean, he would, he would write pages of, like, resolve. 
resolve to pray three times a day, resolve to give 20%, resolve, you know, and, and, he, and it, was, it was almost exhausting reading. But for him and his personality, that was the way he was beginning to just purge his old selfish nature and begin to take on the nature of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just laborious and, and it just m- makes me, you know, sweat thinking about it. But the reality is, sometimes you have to think about your kingdom. I mean, you don't really want to go there. I don't really want to go there. But in order for us to become what God wants us to be, we do need to address our sinful behavior, our sinful proclivities, the weaknesses in our flesh, and and just say, Lord, I, I am a sinful creature. You know that. I need your grace every day. And the Lord's Prayer provides a template for that. And, and the amazing thing is the Father is up there waiting to forgive. He's not like the, you know, the driver's test examiner. You know, when you get in the car, you're 16, and, and he's got the, the list. Okay, turn right, turn left, you know. Oh, ah, didn't do that right, you know. And oh, failed, turn go, let's go back, you know. And he's just waiting to fail you. And some of you think that life with God is like that. He's just waiting there, clipboard, check, check. Oh, you're done. Okay, go back, you know. I can't use you, you know, too bad, you know. That's not the way God is. I mean, I think of my father. I, I learned to drive at 12. We lived at a camp, so it was private property. So I got to drive. Probably wasn't legal. I don't know. But we did it anyway, and we drove. I had this big raised roof van. He taught me how to drive, and I could barely see over the stream. It was so much fun, but it was, it was weather like this, snowy, wet, cold. And I'm driving this big van, and I got a little bit too close to the edge of the road, and it sucked the tire in, and suddenly I'm in the snowbank, and, and I'm like, oh, Dad, I just got the van stuck. And so he comes out there. We dig it out. We're like two blocks from the house. And he's like, get in. I'm like, what do you mean? I just got the van stuck. He's like, get in. You're driving this home. But, but you know, it's like, how are you going to learn? Get in. And, and, and that's what the father does. The father in heaven. He's like, yeah, I, I hit the ditch. He's like, that's right. Get out. Get back in the steering wheel. You know, get, get driving. We're, I'm with you. I'm watching you. I'm guiding you. Let's, let's get this right. I mean, you just learned a lesson now. Let's learn from that lesson. Let's move ahead. You know, and this is the reality. The father in heaven is not just waiting to fail you. He's waiting to forgive you. Vertical forgiveness. But if you notice the verse there, uh, it says, as we have forgiven our debtors. (laughs) We just had to put that little condition in there, didn't he? Okay, God, we're good. That's all that matters, right? No, no, no. He's like, look, guys, this works both ways. I mean, God knows how incredibly difficult it must be to live as a sinner amongst sinners, right? Like, we, we hurt each other all the time. We offend each other. We tick each other off. I mean, even the people we love the most are the ones, actually, we have the capability of hurting the most. And he's like, daily forgiveness is, is that's keeping this right, but then it's also keeping this right, forgiving those who have sinned against us. And he says there in verses 14 and 15, the only commentary on this on this prayer is, for if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Boy, that's a huge, huge verse. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The Lord's Prayer is leading us not only to keep that relationship right with God, but to now to be peacemakers and agents of forgiveness with all the people around us as we have forgiven others. I mean, we are in this constant need of of forgiveness. We would long for it. Uh, Hemingway wrote this story, a short story, and in that story he has this this 
part of the story that has to flow. Father and son in, in Spain that have this huge fight. Rebellious son kind of takes off, and the, you know, they're, they're estranged, and the father doesn't know what to do. So finally, he puts an ad in the newspaper in Madrid, and he says, Dear Paco, please meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. Love, Father. Next day, at noon, 800 Pecos <laughs> are in front of the newspaper office. We long for forgiveness. We long to know that we can make things right. But the other part of this is not just receiving it, but it's also extending forgiveness to those who have hurt you, who have taken advantage of you, who have abused you. And I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying this is one of the most difficult parts of the prayer. I mean, giving God the glory to do his name, praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, asking for daily necessities, but now, now to say, yeah, and Lord, I just release that person to you. All of us have someone in our heart, in our mind, maybe multiple people, that we have to take that journey of forgiveness for. And you know, Peter, Peter asked, asked, you know, Jesus, like, how, how many times do I really need to forgive a guy? Like, if seven times? Like, that's, that's pretty generous, isn't it? And he's like, 70 times seven. And he's like, basically, innumerable times. And I don't think Jesus is thinking in that, in that phrase that this person keeps, you know, kicking your shins at school or, you know, slamming, you know, you know, your locker, your head on the locker. I think what he's saying is, in your mind and in your heart, that person, that situation comes up and you begin to move to a place of bitterness. And in that moment, you've got to re-forgive. A business partner that totally messed you over. Former spouse that has tried to do everything to damage your character and, and, and hurt your future moving forward. Maybe a, a boss that just kept running you down all the time. Coworkers. It could be someone from school. I mean, some of us, you know, we had bad experiences, junior high, high school, and you have to come to a place of saying, I'm not going to hold that against you. Maybe, maybe. Chances are, good, in this room, there's some of you that have been burned in churches. And you just would not even want to worship of that person ever again, or those people, or whoever they are. And the journey of forgiveness is that not we keep this vertical, but it's the horizontal. And it's saying, I, I just release that. I, I let it go. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to let that person, that situation, have any control in my life anymore. I'm letting God look after it. That's forgiveness. Now, the beautiful part of forgiveness is when person that hurts you comes and actually asks for forgiveness then you can actually really seal the deal and have a, a, a restored relationship but sometimes that just never happens but you still have to take that step of saying i'm not going to hold on to that anymore they're not going to have that place in my life anymore one of the aspects of just in talking to some of the people here in the life of, of you know, recovery kind of ministry with addictions is, is at some point kind of going and dealing with the people that you have hurt with your addiction of your addiction, the people that have, you know, paid the price, you know, and you, you're making that right as best as you can. And, and, that's, and that's important. I mean, if that's part of your journey, you may need to go and just, you know, uh, sometimes I think it, it's helpful maybe to write a letter. Maybe you never send the letter. Maybe you just kind of shove it in your desk or shred it or burn it on the fireplace outside, but you just write in a letter and say, this is what you did, this is how it felt, but I forgive you. I mean, sometimes the, the transaction never actually happens because that person would have to admit that they did something wrong. And you and I both know that there are people in your lives that will never take ownership of that. But that doesn't mean that they need to have that control in your life by you holding bitterness against them. Jesus is like, like, we forgive those who've sinned against us. 
It is impossible to do unless you have Jesus Christ in you. I mean, Jesus sits on the cross looking at a bunch of people killing him unjustly, unfairly, and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, this is the one who guides us to this journey of forgiveness. The one who, I mean, he should have been like, okay, God, you know, Father, zap them all because they're, they're so irreverent and so disrespectful. No, he, he, he prays for forgiveness. And, and that forgiveness keeps coming and coming and coming. We need to forgive those that sin against us. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18. It's like, you know, it's kind of like these, the kingdom of heaven is like this, this man, right, that's that. This master, he's, he's kind of settling accounts with his servants, and he has this guy. He obviously was a successful businessman at some point, and the master had entrusted a significant amount of money. I'm guessing, I just kind of converted in my mind, $15 million for this great business venture he was going to do, and he loses it all. The master calls this guy in, and he's like, okay, pay up. And he's like, I got nothing, you know, and well, okay, I'm going to have to enslave you and your family and take everything you own, and you're going to have to, you know, pay it back over time, and, and it's an impossible debt to pay back, but that he was fully in his legal right to do that. Okay, well, I'm going to have to enslave you, and, and your, your life is over, and, and he begs for forgiveness, and, and please, just give me time, I'll pay it back, and, and, and the, the master doesn't give him time, he just says, it's over. He takes the debt, and he just cancels it. You're free. guy walks out of there this guy's just paid for 15 million dollar debt on his behalf an impossible amount to pay back in a lifetime and he's walking down the street and there's his buddy that borrowed 15,000 to buy a car three months worth of work to buy a car so he could get to work and he's like hey where's that 15 grand i don't have it pay up right now, man. I, I need that money. You better give it to me right now. No, I don't have it. He starts to beat on him. He's like, I'm throwing you in the debtor's prison until you pay this back, and how dare you, you know, not pay me my 15000 and he throws him into, and there's some guys watching this event. They're like, like, wait a second. Is this not the guy that just got let go of $15 million? and for fifteen grand, he's taking this guy to the, to, and he's like, what's going on? And so they tell the master. The master brings the guy back, and he's like, what are you doing? $15 million? I forgave you, and you couldn't even let this guy go for 15000 And he gets thrown into prison at the end. And this is like Jesus' story is Matthew 18 is basically like, you know, those who have been forgiven much, they understand the cost that God paid for us to have what we have. When you understand what Jesus went through so that you and I could be forgiven and declared righteous, for me to forgive the petty offenses, and some of them hurt, yes, but, but compared to the way I, you know, I offended God and the place that, 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 that he's given me forgiveness, I mean, the things that we forgive others for is so much smaller amount compared to what God has done for us. He's like the, the, the company of disciples, Matthew, writing to a group of Jews, he's like, really, this is the way you're supposed to be defined as a forgiving group of people. And Paul would write the Ephesians, like, you know, bear with one another and forgive one another. I mean, this is the reality. It's a journey of forgiveness. Yeah, you're, you're, there's going to be people here that tick you off, that say the wrong thing, that do the wrong thing, that fail to do what they promised to do. I mean, there's always going to be someone that offends you. But the journey with the Lord's Prayer is like we forgive, we find forgiveness, and then we extend forgiveness, and we receive forgiveness. We allow forgiveness to truly define us. I was thinking about forgiveness, and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of weddings over the years as a pastor, and I was like, you know, Moving forward, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give every 
guy this shirt, you know, that he can just wear, you know, every other day, you know. It says sorry. <laughs> sorry on it. Now, just in case, right, because sometimes that doesn't, that's not sufficient, you know, with the sorry is like a little, little you know, frowny face, right? <laughs> Don't smile when you ask for forgiveness, right? So, so you know, just wear this shirt every other day, you know, because this is the reality. If any of you have been married for any amount of time, you know that forgiveness is almost a daily reality in any relationship, any friendship. You need to let go, take ownership, and move forward and make changes to, to do it right next time. And God says, okay, I, I take that. I receive that. Let's move forward. Let's find the forgiveness that we need. Let's extend the forgiveness that we need. So today, I mean, uh, if you haven't taken that first step of forgiveness with God, now that's, that's the primary thing you need to do. Find Jesus Christ as your Savior. Find your sins forgiven once and for all. Find your, your status changed from an outsider to an insider, from darkness to light, part of the family now through Jesus Christ. And, and this is what we do every month. We celebrate this. The death of Christ reminds us that, that the price was paid for us to be forgiven. I mean, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood for the forgiveness of sins. The sacrifice has been made, and, and you can receive it. And so we drink and we eat and just remind us that, yes, we are children of the Father through Jesus Christ. And now he wants us to live as his children. And his children are forgiving people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I invite you to partake with us in the communion meal. But we are celebrating forgiveness. We are celebrating our identity as God's children. We are celebrating our new status, but we're also saying we are going to walk in forgiveness. We're going to choose the path of forgiveness. We're going to let things go, even though other people tell us, don't ever let that go. We're saying, no, we will let it go because we believe in Jesus. And he has changed us from the inside out. He has given us a capacity that was not natural, where we can let things go and move forward. Now, some of you have things in your head and heart right now. The Holy Spirit's bringing people to mind, situations to mind, and and to this morning, is just another reminder, it's that 70 times 7 where you say, Lord, I, that thing's coming to mind and I just give it back to you. Help me to walk in forgiveness. And I know some of those are hard situations. I'm not trying to make light of this. If you were abused, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's hard. If you are abandoned, betrayed, yeah, that's, that's not easy. But Jesus Christ knows exactly what that's all about. I mean, he was abused. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was mocked, ridiculed. He was killed so that we could have new life. He, he understands every emotion and feeling you are having when it comes to forgiveness. And he says, I will help you through it. And as we partake of communion, just a reminder, we are not in this alone. Like Jesus, the journey of forgiveness is so hard, but he's like, yes, I know it is, but I am with you. And that's why we pray the Lord's Prayer, because we want our daily bread, but we also need to forgive and walk in forgiveness. He says the way to up and out is, is, is the path of forgiveness. And so we want to be a forgiving church. We want to have forgiving marriages in this church. We want to have forgiving friendships. We want to bear with each other and walk together. Even when our personalities are different, our perspectives are different, our opinions are different, we choose forgiveness. Why? Because we are following Jesus together. And so I invite you, team, would you come up and we're going to prepare for, for communion. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, if you have experienced that once and for all forgiveness, please partake with us.
Now understand, eating bread and drinking juice does not give you forgiveness. Okay? There's nothing powerful or in, in, in innately, you know, you know it, this is a symbolic act. We, we are remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross. You will not get forgiven if you eat the bread or drink the cup. You are forgiven when you confess your sins to God. This act is a reminder to us of, of, of where the forgiveness comes from. It comes through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Marcel and Chad and